you stand? Romans chapter 8, we'll start in verse 31. All right. Romans chapter 8. Somebody say praise the Lord. You going to preach with me today? Can I, tell you, can I tell you something else that you may not know? When the preacher is preaching, that's any place you go. Well, spirit-filled church. When the preacher is preaching and you encourage the preacher, when he's preaching, God will encourage you. The word of God will encourage you. God's principles and ways just never changes. And so if you will encourage me while I'm preaching then God will encourage you when you encourage me. God can't lie. And he says, whatever you sow, you got to reap. And when two or three begins to praise him and begins to magnify him in supporting of his word, then some things begin to happen. Romans chapter 8. Amen. I don't think I have, I forgot anything. But again, welcome. Thank you for being here this morning. I will not keep you long. Romans chapter 8 verse 31, we're going to read 31 through 39. I feel very strongly about the word of God that I will minister to you today about. I feel very strongly about it and I want you to pay close attention to what God wants to say to your heart today. Verse 31 says, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? (laughs) He that's Spared not his own son. Actually, what it's really saying is he that spared not his own life, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Talk about you and me. Who should lay any charge to us? Question mark. It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Oh man, this is so much stuff here. People that make you feel bad, try to make you feel bad, you need to just pray for them. People that try to condemn you, you need to just pray for them because it says that, did they die for you or did Jesus die for you? And only the one that died for you can ever step to you and give you a hard time. And so when people begin to give you a hard time, you need to just say in your mind, you didn't die for me, so I'm not even going to worry about you. This is, this helps me a lot when I deal with people. When people give me a hard time, I'm like, listen, you didn't die. I didn't, I don't tell them that. I don't tell them that, but I say it in my mind. You didn't die for me, so I'm not going to worry about what you have to say. Because the one that died for me, he justified me when he died. Oh, help me, Jesus. It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Anybody can tell me if God have a right hand? No, God don't have a right hand. The Bible says God is a spirit. Where is the spirit right hand? Can you show me where the spirit right hand is? Because if it's a spirit, you can't see the spirit, so the spirit can't have hands. 
So when the Bible says at the right hand of God, it's just saying Jesus is in the position of authority. All power is unto him. And so he's making intercession for us. And it says in 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Why we get mad when people give us a hard time and treat us bad? The Bible said that would happen. We're killed all the day long. If it said we're killed all the day long, it must just mean how when people persecute you, because if you're killed all the day long, once you got killed the first time, you should have been dead, right? So if it's being killed all the day long, it just means you're going to be persecuted all the day long. So when people do you wrong, why are you getting fussy and huffy and getting upset when the Bible says, Oh, man, amen. Oh Help us this morning, Lord. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors. We're more than victors through him that love us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Father, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the great I am, the everlasting Father. And Lord, we are so grateful and so thankful this morning to you, O God. We worship and adore you. We magnify your holy and miraculous name, that precious name of Jesus. We want your will to be done. We worship you. We adore you. And oh my God, we honor you. Jesus, how great thou art, for you are great and greatly to be praised. We are moving this place today and Bless your people. Will you speak to their heart and change, oh God, something inside of us today. That we will not leave this place the same way we came in. But God, that there will be deliverance. That God, there will be healing, salvation. In the name of Jesus Christ, will you have your way today as we give honor and praise unto you today. In Jesus' name. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Today, I want to entitle this message, If God be for us, nothing can stop us. If God be for us, nothing can stop us. Somebody say that with me. If God be for us, nothing can stop us. Mm. So what are we worrying about? If God be for us, and nothing can stop us. What are we worrying about? Mm. If God before us, what it's saying when it says that God before us, it's saying that God is on our side. If God is on our side, it doesn't matter who is against us. 
There are no forces of evil or people in this world or any other world that can get past the fortress all around us. See, you got to realize that God has built a fortress all around us, his people. And when he built that fortress all around us, he said, now I have protected you. And if God has built us in, blocked us in from all the evils and all the things that will come and try to destroy us, then nothing can ever get through to stop us or to hurt us. The things that God has done to save us and protect us is just amazing. I, I don't think we really understand how much God has done to save us, to protect us. How much God has done to make sure we have eternal life. I don't, under, I don't know if we understand how much God has put into this to make sure one day heaven will be our home and we will have a relationship with Him for all eternity. I don't know if we understand how much God has done to, to make sure that happens. He has spared not himself, but he became man and gave his life in exchange for us to have life. We have life today because God says, I'm going to make a way for you to have life. The very first time we did wrong, the very first time we understood right from wrong and did wrong, we were supposed to die right there on the spot. But God made a way that that wouldn't happen. He also made sure that we could not be charged or condemned for any wrong that we ever did. Because when he gave his life and shed his blood, his blood was now able to cleanse our sin. Dying for us and raising from the dead, he made sure he protected us and that we would have a protection for all eternity. So it doesn't matter who is against you because God is for you. Somebody ask your neighbor, if God is for us, nothing can stop us. Ah, you didn't ask them that. You told them that. <laughs> mm. It doesn't matter who is against you. We have to know that God is for us. You know why you have to know that? Your adversary knows that. Satan knows God is for you. And Satan knows that he can't touch you unless God allow it. And so because Satan knows that God is for you and he can't touch you, you know what he tried to get you to do? Walk away from your protection. <laughs> The biggest thing that we don't realize is God has a protection all around us. He has a fortress built around us and he's keeping us. And if we stay where God puts us, we will be fine. We'll be protected. And every fiery dart that come our way, it will just fall because God has built a protection around us. But what the devil tries to do is try to make you think when bad things happen, oh, God may not be for you. Oh, you're not really protected like God is telling you. And as soon as he gets you to start thinking that way, now you're starting to try to make things happen on your own. And the minute you start trying to make things happen on your own, you step out of God's realm of protection. And when you step out of God's realm of protection, then you become free. 
free to the enemy so he can get to you, so he can get at you. But I'm here to tell you this morning, uh, God is for you and God has built a fortress all around you. Uh, all you have to do uh, is just stay where God has you positioned uh, and say, if God be for me, uh, nothing can stop me. Uh, God has placed me here. Uh, and if God placed me here, uh, I'm not moving uh, until he moves me. Uh, I'm only going where God wants me to go. Uh, I'm only doing what God wants me to do. If God be for me, uh, nothing can stop me. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Who shall separate you from the love of God? Let's get into this a little bit. Who can separate us? First understand, God has already proven his love to us. He has already proven that he will always love us. And nothing will prevent him or stop him from loving us. You see, when you invest a whole lot, you will always follow the investment. What they say in sports, just follow the money. Uh-huh. And so in life, all you have to do is follow the investment. Follow, you can call the investment money. But whatever you have invested most of your time in, that's what you're going to be all about. So it's easy to know what people are all about. Oh, I'm talking to you now, so you got quiet, but I'm going to talk to you this morning. And so I'm trying to tell you, if we want to know what our life is all about, what's most important to, to us, all we have to do is start looking at our lives and see what do we put more of our time into? What do we put most of our money into? If I had my checkbook, I would show you my checkbook this morning. My wife looked at my checkbook one time and said, oh, snap, because all she sees is Christ-centered church. Christ-centered church. She keep flipping. She goes, Christ-centered church. I'm not telling you that to tell you anything other than just watch my investment, my finances, and my time. Do the same for your life. Watch your finances and your time. And that tells you what you're most dedicated to. And so now we go to Jesus. You want to know what he's most dedicated to? What he gave his life for. Come on and help me. He gave his life for us. So that's what he's most dedicated to. And everything about Jesus is about us. I know sometimes we like to say it, but you got to always take it in context. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. Yes, it's about his plan for humankind, for mankind. But at the end of the day, he gave his life for us. So it is about us, but it's his plan to save us. And so we got to realize for what God has done and has gone through, he did it for for us. And so if you will follow all his actions and all his deeds, you will know that all of those things was all about and all because of us. So God cannot stop loving us. I know this is not the same comparison, but it's just an idea. Go find me a, a mother that's in her right mind that carried that belly for nine months. And then when the baby come out, say, I don't know if I can love you no more. Go find me that mother. She's crazy if you find her. But that's just a human. And we're talking about the almighty God. And what he gave for us, he could never not love us. You got to get that through your mind that God is for you and God loves you. He's invested too much for you to ever stop loving you, to ever move away from you. And that's why nothing can separate God's love for you.
Nothing can separate God's love for you. The question we know we, we have to ask ourselves is, will we let anything prevent us from loving God? Let me let you think about that for a second. Is there anything that will prevent us from loving God? God already said nothing will separate his love for us. So now our question is, what are we allowing to separate our love for him? Now let's get into it a little bit and let's look a little deeper. Paul says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation. You know what tribulation is? It just, 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 you just feel like you're going through stuff after stuff and it never ease up. Just tribulation, like almost like destruction. Paul says, that won't separate me. And what Paul is saying is, it won't separate Christ and it won't separate him. Now today we have to listen to this and ask ourselves, will it separate me? From the love of God. And so, will tribulation separate you and me from the love of God? Will distress, oh, I'm just stressed out. Oh, just everything is wrong. Will we allow that to separate us? Uh, I can't make it to church today. There's just so much stress. I can't do this uh, because there's so much stress. I'm just not in my right mind because my situation and all of this stuff is stressing me out. And you make that get into the way. Paul says no tribulation, no distress, uh, no persecution. Uh, when somebody gives you a hard time uh, about anything, will you stop serving God? Will you stop loving God? Uh, what about famine? It says not even famine, meaning hunger. When you're hungry or you're starving for something, uh, will you allow that to separate you? Uh, when you don't have clothes to wear, you're naked, you don't have too many nice things to put on, uh, will you say, I'm not going to church because uh, I don't have nothing to wear? Or will you say, nothing shall separate me from the love of God? Uh, would peril stop you? Uh, serious and dangerous times. Uh, we're hearing all the evil in our world. We're hearing all the struggle that we're having in our world. Will we get frustrated it says our world has gone to hell and I don't want to have nothing to do with it so I give up. I'm not living for God. Or will we allow the sword, the gunfight, and the evil to get into our way and we give up on God? Paul says, nothing shall separate me from the love of God. And I want you to ask yourself, what will separate me today? Paul says, Nothing. I am so, so certain that I'm persuaded that not even death. If somebody getting ready to take your life, Paul said, let them take it. And guess what? That's what happened to him. So he's not just saying it. He lived it. Not death. Nor somebody trying to offer me a good life. No good life. No death will take me away from the love of God. Not even angels will take me away from the love of God. Not even demons, principalities. Not powers. Not things present. Not things to come. Not height. Not death. Nor other creatures shall be able to separate me from the love of God. Somebody will you make up in your mind today to say I don't care what my circumstance is. I don't care what I'm going through. I don't care how hard things are. I don't care what about my finances. I don't care about what I'm struggling with. I don't even care about how I feel because my feeling will come and go. But my love for God must be forever and ever and ever and nothing shall separate it. 
Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. We got to get strong and we got to hold on to it and say nothing. Now, let me get into something real quick for you. This is, this is heavy here and I'm getting ready to touch you. Paul says nothing shall separate him from the love of Christ. Now, when you search the scriptures and you're reading because you, you want to know, you're digging in and you want to know stuff. Here is something I'm going to bring to your attention this morning that you may not have heard. You may, ne- may not have heard in reading this text. Paul mentioned anything you can think of that will not separate him from the love of Christ. But here's something interesting that we learn from Paul. Paul never mentioned his past. No height or debt. Doesn't matter. Nothing. Life, angels, principal. You can name it. But he never said nothing about his past. He never said his past will not separate him from the love of God. Mm-hmm. We let minor things separate us from the love of God. Little things. You know what's funny? I keep saying this. I learned this a little bit in my walk. I always said this. When someone made me upset or somebody treated me wrong or life just didn't go right for me or I'm going through something and I decide I won't worship God or I decide I'm not going to pray or I decide I won't go to church. Who is that affecting And then it's affecting me, but on top of it now, it's almost like I'm withdrawing myself from the one that loves me. (laughs) I don't know if you thought about that. So, so, So not only that, I'm being affected because now I'm not spiritual, because I'm not doing spiritual things to keep me spiritual. But the other thing which I always focus on is, okay, why am I withdrawing myself from the one that loves me and he didn't do anything to me? How does that work? Why am I going to say, Jesus, I just can't take it. And now I'm not praying to him. Now I'm not worshiping, praising him. And I'm not going to church. Why? Why? What did he do? Just gave his life for me. What did he do? Just made sure he shed his blood for me. What What did he do that he deserved to not have fellowship and communion with me because of what I'm going through? we got to ask ourselves that. And so I've always asked myself that. So when... I go through stuff. I never allow that to stop me from giving God the praise. Listen, can I, can I just clear something up for you? You having a fight with your spouse, you having an a, 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 a argument with your children, and you coming to church and praising and worshiping God don't make you a hypocrite. Yeah, I know I had to say that. Thank you, Holy Ghost. I didn't get a lot of, yeah, it doesn't make you a hypocrite. What you're saying is I'm frustrated in my relationship here. I'm frustrated with my children, but God has been good to me and he ain't never done nothing to me. So why am I going to go to church and sit there and act like God did something later for my husband, later for my wife, later for my children? I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. 
for the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Maybe when I praise Him, maybe when I worship Him, maybe when I'm praying to Him, maybe, just maybe, He will give me the insight on how to handle my wife, on how to handle my husband, on how to handle my children. But if I just sit there and do nothing and be upset, oh, I'm missing out. I'm not being a hypocrite for praising God because I had an argument with my spouse. I am being a worshiper of Christ. I'm being a disciple of Christ. I'm not being a hypocrite. We got to clear that up. We got to clear it up. Because if you let the fight with your spouse get you all messed up, then something is separating you from the... And he says, nothing, nothing. So don't make me think I'm just not doing right. Right, because I'm worshiping God after I came out of the house and it just didn't go right. Because maybe going to church and worshiping God, I will have the humility to go back and say, I'm sorry. We're so missing it. You know, if I don't know anything... I've been watching, I've been watching, and I've been seeking God. And one thing I learned is, we have a lot of tradition among Christians. And I'm going to teach about that next Saturday. You don't want to be a Christian. I taught, I, taught, I, 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 I taught about that before, that you need to be a disciple, not a Christian. I'll leave that till, thir- till next week. But anyway, I, I, just, I, just, I just want to make sure that we understand we're not, we're, we're not being hypocrites. Because, because we, sometimes we, our flesh get in the way and we have egos and we fight with one another. But the only way we're going to get it right is when we tap into Jesus. And that humility come upon us that we can go and work it out. And we've been thinking for all these years, that's hypocritical. That's your traditional Christian thinking. It ain't God's thinking. Because God only wants to make sure we have relationship with Him. And however we need to do, whatever we need to do to have right relationship with God, that's all that matters. Anyway, the, the first relationship you must have is this relationship. You and God. Because we're messing up. Here's what we think sometimes. If, if me and everybody get along, that means I'm a good person. Uh, uh. Listen, this is what I know. If your relationship not right with God, you and people not right. You may be phoning it up. You might be faking it out. You might be playing around. But if you and God is not right, because that's where relationships start. Relationships didn't start with Adam and Eve. Relationship didn't start with man and woman. Relationship started with God and man. So if God and man is not right, then man and man can't be right. Why do you think we snap with one another sometimes? We not right with God. Not not in a bad way. Maybe we just not you know, stand in constant connection and communion with God. And so when we're not right with God, we snap at each other. When we're not right with God, we start saying bad things to one another. When we're not right with God, we allow a lot of things to happen. But when you get right with God, all of a sudden now you wonder what made me so sweet to my person? Because you're right with God. So we got to ask ourselves, why didn't Paul talk about the past? And if you do a little bit of digging, you'll realize that our past is a significant part 
of what caused us to be separated from the love of God. Our past, I'm not talking about 10 years, 15 years. I can talk about even just this morning. But our past is what's ruining our relationship with God. Our past gets so much in the way of things. And we are being, can I say it this way? We are being controlled by our past in the present and going in the future. And if we don't do something about that past, how do we know that we love God or we don't love God? Because sometimes we want to tell ourselves, oh, I love God. Don't tell me, preacher, I don't love God. I hear you. But let me tell you what the Bible says about you loving God and God loving you. John chapter 14, verse 21. The Bible says, sorry I didn't give you that, Sister Patrice. Um, I got a different version here. This is what the scripture says. You'll see it. It'll come out the same way. He who has my commandment and keep them. It means if you know God's commandment, if you know what God says and you do them, you love God. You ready for that again? The individual that knows, the know part is very important. Because sometimes you're not going to keep God's commandment because you didn't know. So if you know God's commandments and you keep them, you do them, you follow them, you love God. But the opposite is true too. If you know God's commandment and you don't do them, then you're not showing love to God. Uh oh. Amen, that's right. Two people. Amen, that's right. Two people. I'll say it again, just so we clear. If you know God's words, his commandments, and you just act like they don't exist, just do what you want even though you know it, you're not showing that you love God. You can believe anything you want. I'm just telling you what God says, not me. This was red letters I just wrote to, read to you. So, so you don't have to convince me. I don't go around telling people all these things because I know what I know and I just pray for people. But I'm just telling you that are here this morning so you understand, you can examine yourself to say, do I love God or I don't love God? Now, don't worry about if you don't love God, because God, the Bible says, we end up loving him because he first loved us. See how good God is? He didn't say how we do. Well, if I don't see like you kind of doing something, I'm not paying you no mind. You know how we like to, we like to test to see if somebody kind of like us, especially when you're trying to date somebody. Let me see how they're coming at me. Because if they don't come at me a certain way, I'm not coming at them a certain way. That's what we do. We are just so messed up. We don't even understand. But anyway, that's how we do. The Bible says, God just says, I don't care who you are, what you've done. I don't care what you look like. I don't care what you act like. I love you. That's where he started. And then he says, I'm going to show you love. Now, it's up to you if you want to reciprocate the love, but I love you. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And so God is showing us love. So even if we examine ourselves today and realize, man, 
I, I thought I kind of loved God. Listen, here's another misnomer. And I'm going to be done soon. Here's another misnomer. <clears throat> a lot of times, we, we, we learn to love people when people are doing what we want. And as soon as they stop doing what we want, we don't love them. That is not good with us. We got to get past that. Because all of us are fallible and all of us make mistakes. So you're telling me because you did something that offended me today, I don't love you no more, but I loved you yesterday. Hmm. Yeah, we do that. We do that. But that's not the way God taught us because... When God said, I love you to us, he didn't say because you're doing good. He didn't say, you know, you obeying me so I love you. No, he loved you just the way you were. But he said, if you love me, you will begin to do the things that you know I like. And that's what relationship is all about. What God is after is just simply... He does what he knows pleases you. And we're supposed to do what we know pleases him. That's all relationship is about. You know, I always say, don't bring me a Starbucks gift card. I'm sorry, don't bring me a Dunkin' Donuts gift card when you know I love Starbucks. And then you say you love me. No, you just do what you want. You just do what you think look good. Because that's not how love work. We do that a lot in trying to convince people. I gave you a gift, didn't I? That don't prove you love nobody. If I love steak and you bring me pork because it was so nice. I just thought about you. It's a nice cut of pork chop. Center cut pork chop. And it just looked so good. I thought you may enjoy it when you know I like strip steak. Come on. Don't do that to people. That's what's wrong with our relationships. We know what people like, because you know how we know? When we're trying to make up, we know how to make up. (laughs) Why is it that we always do the right thing when we're trying to make up? But all the other time, we do whatever we want and say, they better just take it. What kind of love is that? What what kind of love we dealing with? Just take that. Yes! And then we got to go back, Brother Wood, and find out, do we really love that person? Or we're just really after getting what we want. Man, that's, that's something that you got to go back and go to the drawing board and talk about. Do I really love my spouse or am I just trying to get them to do what I like? God didn't do it that way. God said, I love you no matter what. And even if you don't obey me, I love you. Even if you don't do what I desire, I love you. And he waited for us to love him back. And so today, you got to ask yourself, if you know what God's word says, are you keeping those words? Because if you're not, then you're going to have to rectify your love relationship with God. Hmm. What can separate us? From the love of God. Paul listed all those things. But he didn't list his past. Can I tell you this? What they say, hot take. Here's a hot take. Hot take. 
Your past is the number one reason that prevents you from loving someone. Your past is the number one reason that prevents you from loving someone. And whatever you have gone through, whatever hurts that you've experienced, whatever uh, disappointments you've experienced, uh, if you've experienced uh, bitterness because of what someone has done to you or even the person that you're with, if you've experienced those kind of things, that's the number one thing that prevents you from loving that person. Mm. Quiet. And when it's quiet, it means that we got to think about that because that's heavy. And that, that probably talking a little bit about me right now, so I'm quiet, preacher. I didn't do like y'all did when I was sitting on the pew. I sat down in the front, and when he said, yeah, and hurt, it's preventing everybody from loving like they need to. Preach it, preacher. That's right. That's right. Go ahead and preach. That's what I did. Y'all know, if y'all was watching, and, and, and it might have been talking directly to me. It might have been going straight into me, and I'm like, preacher. I'm just, just telling y'all how I did. So nobody ever knew, unless they knew what was going on, what was going on with me. You know, I don't get excited when the preacher talk about my neighbor, but when he talk about me, I get quiet. Because uh, then they know. I just taught you church one-on-one. So you just got to be excited all the time. So they never, you know, nobody will ever know if that's getting to you. Or maybe you just fuck, you're okay with everybody knowing. Yeah, he was talking about me right there. Yeah, that's okay too. But hurt is the number one reason that prevents us from loving someone. And because of hurts and bitterness and disappointment, our unforgiven past prevents us from loving Christ. And we don't even realize sometimes why we aren't loving Christ like the way we need to. We don't realize it's because of our past hurts, our past disappointments. We don't realize it's some bitterness that have built up in us that we can't even make ourselves love Christ. We're trying and we think that we're trying, but we just don't find ourselves there. We're wondering, what is wrong? Why don't I love God the way I feel like the Bible says I need to? And the answer is, you're allowing your past. Uh, if you got hurt and it makes you not trust that's your past I don't really trust and so now all of a sudden you're trying to love God but that, that, that part of you in your past where you got wounded from not trusting you can't even trust God Hmm? Yes, 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 yes. That, 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 that's what's happening. Remember I tell you, what's wrong with our world today is our relationship with God is not good. So we're, we're not handling ourselves right. We have all the turmoil in our world because we're not loving God. Because of our experiences. It could be. Listen, let me just clear this up quickly and tell you. Most of our hurts is not something we inflicted on ourselves. It just happens. 
But in life, you will always get hurt. In life, you will always be disappointed. So the question is, if God is my God and He loves me, am I going to let hurt that I know has to come? Am I going to let disappointments that I know has to come to prevent me from loving God? Because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And most of the times it happened because we didn't have God in our life the way we need to have God. Remember I told you, I went to God pity pat, having a pity party, went to God crying. And God nicely told me, oh son, the reason why you got hurt, because you didn't have on your armor the shield of faith. Mariah, there's something called the armor of God. And it's in Ephesians chapter 6. If you want to do that as homework, you go to, go to the Bible. You can get it on your phone or in the Bible. Ephesians chapter 6. And you read somewhere from verse 10 all the way through and to the end. And it talks about the armor of God. And, and, and I went to God and said, man, God, this is, I'm hurt. You know, I feel this way. And God, he just did it so nicely. He didn't, he didn't scream. He didn't yell. He didn't make me feel like I was just terrible. He just said, son, you didn't have your armor on. And when the fiery dart came, it pierced you. Your, your, your shield of faith is, 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 is it's over your chest plate. It's over, it's, I'm sorry, it's the shield that you hold out like this, that before anything can get to you. Your shield, back in the day, the shield starts from probably down there at the bottom all the way up to your face. And all you had to do, the warriors back in the day, they had the shield that they hold like this. So you got your armor on your breastplate, your helmet, all that stuff. But the shield was long, from the, almost from the ground up. And you held the shield. And so when any darts came at you, the shield just stopped it. So it never even got into you know, your chest, your garment or anything. It just stopped it. And so when I went to God hurting, talking about God, I'm hurt. He says, you didn't have your shield of faith up. And so because you, your shield of faith was down when the arrow came, yeah, you had on your breastplate, but that wasn't good enough. The arrow penetrated. So most of the times when we experience hurt, we didn't have our shield of faith up. And so we really caused that hurt by not trusting God at that point in our life. So in every aspect of our life from, from the day we start living, it's just so important that we trust God, that we allow God to work in our life because th- th- if we don't, we're going to experience a lot of hurt. What am I, don't get this wrong. If you have your shield of faith up and the arrows come, they will still come, but it makes you handle people differently and it makes you treat people differently because they don't really hurt you when the shield of faith is up. Can you see that the dart came, that they fired the dart trying to hurt you? Yes, you can see it. But when your shield is up, you just smile it off and you don't have any animosity, bitterness don't get built up in you because the shield blocked it and you understand that when people are not in a good place with God, they fire, they fire at you. And hurt people hurt people. And so when people come after you and try to hurt you, you got to just know they're not in a good place with God. And when people are not in a good place with God, you will probably want to pray for them more than trying to do something to 
agitate or to make them upset. See, when people are not in a good place with God, that's why God says, pray for your enemies. Because it means your enemies, if they're hating you, they ain't going to have a problem with God. So if somebody is hating on me, if somebody's trying to come at me, if somebody's trying to attack me, I'm going to pray for them because I understand what God means. Because when God begins to chastise people that try to chastise his children, it's not going to be pretty. God knows how to hurt you. And if you try to hurt God's children, God's going to put something on you that you will never recover from. So it's important that you understand. Oh God, I'm praying for my brother. I'm praying for my sister. They may be trying to hurt me, but they don't understand because they're not in a good place with you. And so God, I pray that you'll deliver them from evil and set them free from their captivity. And God, save them because if you don't reach them, they won't be reached at all. That's growing up in God. That's why God said love your enemies. Because if you don't love them and pray for them and intercede for them, they have no hope. If they hang on you and you live in right, whatever hope they got, because it's going to take somebody righteous to pray somebody through that is unrighteous. Oh. If you're not right with God and I start pile on, how are you ever going to make it? I can't pile on. Somebody got to stand in the gap and say, Jesus, they probably just hurt. Jesus, they went through some trauma. Jesus, they took their eyes off you. Jesus, they hurt, got in the way. But I pray today that you have mercy upon them and that you will touch them. That's how we got to pray for our enemies. And when you pray for your enemy, you, you get strong. And you will begin to show them your love. And when they realize the person that they're trying to hurt uh, is on their side and trying to love them, uh, that is what will break them. Oh, somebody not hear me. But, but, but when you start to fight back with them, guess what? It becomes all out war. Oh, you coming at me like that? Oh, I'm going to show you. And now it's all out war. But if you would just be godly and you would just love them, uh, it will break their spirit. It will cause them to say, God, forgive me. That's how we reach people. The devil wants you to have all out war with somebody. If somebody's upset with you, how are they going to be saved from being bitter at you? How are they going to be saved if you don't petition God for them? Because they can't petition Him because obviously something is wrong. Uh, Pray for your enemy. Pray for your enemy. And so our past, all, all those things that we've experienced, all, all the hurt and all the pain, we, we're allowing these things to, 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 to take us off track. And so we're trying to live for God, but hurt and disappointment and pain is, is coming our way. And when stuff happens, we're letting God pay for it. And God didn't do one thing to deserve it. Jesus will never stop loving us. But we let our past prevent us from loving him. Or we let our past cause us to stop loving him. Our past will cause us, cause our love to die. Hmm. Our, our past, you know, you're living for God. 
and you're struggling with your past, and you're trying to get past your past, <laughs> and it won't let you go. It just comes screaming at you, and you were loving God. But let me tell you something before I close today. Dead people can't show love. This is heavy because God gave me this. If you're a Christian, you've been born again, living for God, and you're, you allow your hurt to creep back into your life. And now your hurt is starting to dictate a lot of stuff in your life. You're not trying to be evil. You're just hurt. And you're trying to make your way, but you're hurt. And it's just not working. And, and the more you try to move forward, you feel like the hurt is just there. And so now you kind of start putting a lot of focus on your hurt. You may not be talking to people about it, but every day you wake up, you're worrying about your hurt. And you're trying to get over your hurt. Eventually, you find yourself backing up from God. And eventually, you can find yourself backslidden and may come to church once in a while or not even come to church at all. When we spiritually die, it's like death in the natural. It means you can't do anything. And so when you backslid out of God, when you started living with God, you was happy and excited and you were doing it and everything was great. It means you're spiritually alive. So you're capable of loving God and you're loving God. But if you don't deal with your hurt, then what can happen is you'll find yourself backing up. And before you know it, you find yourself out of church. And what that means is you died spiritually. And when you backslide till you die spiritually, it means you can't love God. A dead person can't love another person because they're dead. They're not here. Well, a spiritually dead person can't love a, a spiritual God. So in order to love God, you got to be spiritual. That's what we're dealing with. We're trying to love God in our flesh. Flesh only can love flesh. It's the spirit that we have to tap into in order to show the love of God. And if we're dead spiritually, we can't love God. We can be upset with that all we want. The Bible says, you must worship me in spirit. If you're dead spiritually, you can't love God. So what you have to do is get resurrected spiritually so you can love God. See, it's not over if you die spiritually and you just couldn't love God. Oh, you got to say, God, I need, a, I need a spiritual resurrection. I need you to resurrect me from the dead spiritually. I realize I'm not loving you. I realize I'm not serving you. I realize I'm not obeying you. But will you resurrect me from the dead spiritually so I'm able, Lord God, to love you again. So I'm able to have right relationship with you again. I need a spiritual resurrection oh God if we don't get resurrected spiritually we can't love God and that's what the problem is and so our past is what is separating us from the love of God because if you died spiritually you don't have to stay dead spiritually I love the Lord 
You die spiritually, you don't have to stay there. All you have to do is get up and seek God so you can live again. And when you can get to life, spiritual life again, you can love God again. Can I tell you this other thing, and then we'll be finishing up here. In life, in your walk with God, your past do so much damage that it, sometimes it causes you to just stand still and do nothing. Sometimes it causes you to just start backing up. But can I tell you this? If you stand still and do nothing, sooner or later you're going to lose your balance and fall. If you stand still and do nothing, sooner or later you're going to fall. If you keep backing up, you have no hope and you can never get it together. The only place to go is forward. And when you get into right relationship with God, you have to keep going forward. You have to keep seeking God. You've got to keep on doing more and more. And more don't mean just get busy and do stuff. No, no, no. More just mean I want more of God. I don't know about you if you ever experienced love in the natural. But the more you're around the person you say you love, the more you want to be around them. You don't believe that? God wants to have right relationship with us. And we're letting stuff separate us from the love of God. And until we fix that situation there, what shall separate us? It means that there's something in between us and God. When you're separated, there's something in between. We're being cut off some kind of way. What shall separate me from the love of God? Oh, help us, Jesus. We, 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 we have to take a hold of our situation today and, and no longer let it control us. Hmm. Oh, help us, Jesus. God wants to heal us today. There's two things God's going to do. And here is what God wants to do today if you'll let him. He wants to deliver you from your past. And he wants to heal you so you can move forward. Because you can't hold on to your past and hold on to your future at the same time. In order to take hold of your future, you're going to have to let go of that past. You're going to have to let that past be dead and buried so you can't go back to it. Because we're holding on to that past, we're losing out on our future. We're, we're back here struggling and dealing with our past and, 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 and God is like, come on, come on, come on. You ever see somebody trying to climb a mountain? And they're coming up and they're close to the top. And somebody's up at the top trying to help them up. But they keep looking down. You look, you look down long enough. And you will find yourself going back down as opposed to going up. We stay too long with our past. It's just going to take us down. We got to let our past go. 
you don't want to get to that place in life. And, and those that are older knows this. I don't know why my age, I'm starting to feel old. I don't because it's making, I, I'm just thinking about a lot of things. And, and here, here is, here is, here is, yeah, oh, those that are older than me are probably laughing at me because you've been there. But, but I just keep on thinking about these things. And one of the things I think about all the time is as you get older, you start looking back and says, I wasted time on that. I wasted time on that. I wa- I'm telling you. You just look back and realize some things that you wasted time on. And you start looking back on some things you should have put more time into. Will you allow me to help you understand, start taking a look at your life and realize what you need to put time into and what you need to stop wasting time with? Stop wasting time with your past. Here's the easiest thing to get past your past. I said it earlier before I started going. Nobody died for you but Jesus. And sometimes we want to fix the past. Sometimes we want to do something about it, but there's nothing to do about it. And Jesus will tell you, I already took care of it. You have to move on. You have to let it go. I need you. I'm reaching for you. You got to let that past go and don't let nobody make you feel guilty about it because they didn't die for you. Don't let people say you were a hypocrite. They didn't die for you. Don't let people criticize you and you let it go too far. They did not give their life for you. That's how you move past your past. Is realizing who had died for you and who will deliver you. It's not the people that you are dealing with, associating with. And so today, I'm here to ask you, will you allow God to deliver you from your past? There's a scripture in, in 2 Peter uh, chapter, 2 Peter, uh, I think it's chapter 2 and 9 probably somewhere, where it says God knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. There it is. God will do what he has to do. But you have to give him the rain, the free rain. You have to give him the rain to do whatever he wants. God will do whatever needs to be done, but we can't hold back. We have to just let it go. What do you have to lose? At this point in time, what do you have to lose? Just go ahead and do what you got to do. And what I love about God is, no matter what anybody else says or does, no matter who walk away or not walk away, what I love about God, He's going to make it all right. Because He loves me too much to not make it all right. And that's what you got to trust and know about God, that God will make it all right. It doesn't matter. Don't try to figure out. We try. Listen, you've been trying to figure it out before you met God. Where did that get you? <laughs> So stop trying to figure it out and just let God do what he's going to do. Will you stand? Today I want you to come to the altar. And what I want for you to do today when you come to the altar is just just let go of your past today. And let God heal you today. God wants to deliver you from your past. God wants to do a new thing in your life, man. God, God really wants to do something in your life. He, he really does. He don't want to leave you where you are. Are you satisfied where you are?
Now, the good thing about God is, is good and bad in my opinion. But here is what the thing is about God that you got to realize. He can't make you. Well, he will not make you. That's what love is all about. You catching it? If God loves you, he can't force you. Now, if he don't love you, he'll, he'll twist your arm and get up here and let go of your past. But he can't do that. Because if he force you to let go of your past, you'll just go ahead and go pick it back up. But if you surrender to God, then God wants to help you. And so today I want you to trust God. I want you to come. Come on to the altar today. Come on to the altar. Come on. We're going to pray. And we're, we're going to pray uh, to God. Then we're going to pray with each other. We're going to pray today because our past has been holding us hostage for too long. This is something I believe God wants to do in our life and deliver us from our past. It's not God's will that you stay stagnant. It's not God's will that you can't get past where you are. You keep going to a certain point and it's not working out and God wants to deliver you from your past. The first thing I want you to realize is God can and God will. Somebody say, yes, he can. Yes, he will. Because God can and God will. You have to know that today. You're not coming up here guessing. I don't want any doubt. I want you to believe and trust God with all your heart. God wants to do something great. There was a prophecy that went by at our general conference meeting that I told the prayer group yesterday about. And the, 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 the word of God that came for our conference was that God said, God said it through interpretation, tongues and interpretation. God said that there is a divine shift that he has done. Now, as soon as I heard that, since I heard that at the conference, I haven't stopped praying. God, let a divine shift take place in my life. God, let a divine shift take place in my, in my home, in my family's life. God, let a divine shift take place in our church. God, let a divine shift take place in our community and surrounding areas. I've been nonstop. He probably said, boy, will you stop? No, I'm not stopping Jesus because I want the divine shift too. And so if God has done a divine, it just takes for us to open our heart for it to happen to us. Because if he's already done it, it's happening already. And so all we have to do is open our heart so it can happen to us now. God don't want you to stay where you are. So I want you to go to God this morning and ask him to let there be a divine shift that will take place in your life. First, just ask God to forgive you. Go to God and say, God, I know I messed up. I know I've been letting my past control me. I know I'm all, you know, afraid of my past. The devil is tormenting some of us with our past and make us think we can't move forward. We, we're worried about what other people are going to think about us. We're worried about what people are going to say about it and so we're trapped in our past but God has sent me here this morning to tell you he is your God and he is your deliverer and there is nothing that he won't do to cause you to no longer be separated from him he don't want to be separated from you and he don't want you to be separated from him so he's ready today to deliver you from your past and to heal your heart and to bind your womb and to mend your broken heart will you pray with me father Lift your hands in the name of Jesus Christ. We come as a church today, Lord God. Every one of us that is here today, Lord God. We have some issues with our past, Lord God. And our past has stunted our growth, Lord God. Our past has crippled us, Lord God. Our past has held us captive, Lord God. But today we're coming with confidence and boldness, Lord God. We say, Jesus, we know you are a delivering God. And you know how to deliver them that are 
godly. And so today, oh God, we ask for your deliverance from our past. Will you set us free today from our past, Lord God, that we are no longer held hostage, that we're no longer in captivity of our past. But today, Lord Jesus, I pray that you'll break the arm of the strong man that have tried to control us for so long. Will you break the arm of the strong man that today, hallelujah, we will be set free and that we will walk out of here liberated from our past, Lord God, and that every time our past come, we will tell the devil it's under the blood of Jesus Christ. We've been set free. Every time our past come back, Lord God, we will rebuke it in Jesus' name. For today, Lord God, we bury that past. And today, Lord God, we move forward in you, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, for each and every one of your people that are standing here today, that, Lord, you will heal them. Lord, I pray that you will heal them, Lord God. They need healing, Lord God. And I pray in the name of Jesus for healing in Jesus' name. I pray for wholeness in Jesus' name. From the top of your head to the sole of your feet, be ye whole, be ye healed in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, touch his body right now. And I pray for wholeness. And I pray for spiritual healing in the name of Jesus Christ. That today you will be delivered from your past. That God will wipe your past away. And he will begin a new thing in your life. In the name of Jesus Christ. Oh God, will you break the invisible chains. Oh God, will you set them free. Oh God, I pray today there will be a new beginning. In Jesus' name. Oh, you're so God, I pray today that you'll break the stronghold in his life, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that you'll deliver him. Oh God, I pray that you'll redeem him. I pray today, Lord God, for deliverance from his past.